The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. The year is 1986, and this is episode one. This episode covers the months of January through March. Mercury topaz to help it hold on to the road. The way you hold on because sunshine. I feel good in a special way. I'm in love and it's a sunny day. Mercury, the shape you want to be in. It's 1986. Heading up the news this morning, rock and roll singer Rick Nelson was killed last night in a private plane crash in Texas. Officials say that his chartered DC-3 caught fire in flight and crashed while trying to make an emergency landing. We have more from KNBC's Matt Stevens. Rick Nelson, his girlfriend Helen Blair, and five band members on their way to a Dallas hotel for a New Year's Eve concert. All killed. The charter Douglas DC-3 reportedly caught fire in midair. The pilot tried first to land the plane on a road. In the final stages of their approach, something happened. Either some cars got in the way or something, and they elected to go to a field. And uh, it appeared to me that they probably hit into some trees. The pilot and the co-pilot survived, critical but stable. Their upper bodies badly burned. The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Rick Nelson's fame began in 1952 on the television series featuring his parents, Ozzy and Harriet, and his brother, David. The exposure helped his singing career take off a few years later. And by the late 50s, he was a bona fide teenage idol. Hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart, sweet Mary Lou. I'm so in love with you. Rock and roll changed in the 60s and Nelson changed with it, but his fans couldn't accept the new image. And I think people really would like to label you, you know, put a, a label on you, put, put you in a drawer somewhere so that they can sort of call on you at any time, you know. He was literally booed off the stage when he tried to sing his newer material. Nelson wrote a song about this humiliating experience, which became his first hit in years. I went to a garden party to reminisce with my old friends. A chance to share old memories and play our songs again. When I got to the garden party, they all knew my name No one recognized me I didn't 
didn't look the same But it's all right now I learned my lesson well You see, you can't please everyone So you got to please yourself People came from miles around Everyone was there Yoko brought a walrus There was magic in the air Over in the corner, much to my surprise, Mr. Hughes hidden Dylan's shoes, wearing his disguise. But it's all right now. I learned my lesson well. You see, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. Played them all the old songs Thought that's why they came No one heard the music We didn't look the same I said hello to Mary Lou She belongs to me Sang a song about a honky-tonk It was time to leave But it's all right now I learned my lesson well Ricky Nelson was 45. Also killed in the crash was Nelson's fiance, 29-year-old Helen Blair. Nelson's father, Ozzy, died in 1975. Funeral arrangements are pending. Nineteen eighty-six had begun with sadness in the music industry. The business, and all that surrounds it, was changing, from the artist's sound and styles to the recorded media which it is played. Tape and vinyl was being phased out to accommodate the flawless sound of compact discs. Today's music buying public was changing as well. With all the different changes happening in the music industry, one is left to wonder of its future influence on a new young audience. Paul McCartney. I wonder if there will ever come a time when people just don't know who the Beatles were. In fact, you know, I don't mind that. I think it's actually quite reassuring that there are like new people coming up all the time who, who are completely fresh and who you've got to impress again. Uh, I like that, actually.
song My Carnival, recorded in New Orleans in 1975 and released as a B-side on Paul's latest single, Spies Like Us. All through the beginning of the new year, the former fabs drifted off in opposite directions. George had been getting more involved in his movie production company while Paul was about to release an ambitious attempt at a contemporary electronic pop album. And Ringo, on January 14th, flew to Auckland, New Zealand to film four commercial ads for Japanese television promoting the Schweppes line of soft drink products. Schweppes. Are you happy? Over in New York City after midnight at the Lennon's West Side apartment on Sunday, January 19th. Broke into Yoko Ono's home last night as a disturbed fan who apparently meant them no harm. It happened at the Dakota apartment building where Ono's husband, John Lennon, was murdered back in 1980. Police say the 29-year-old Omar Travers of Manhattan lowered himself from the roof of the building to the fire escape outside Ono's seventh floor apartment. They said that he broke in and left a note, including his address and a picture, and then escaped. He was arrested at his apartment a short time later. A spokesman for Ono says the note was not threatening. If you torture the artists, they make more art. Stop playing in the neighborhood. Get out of the mission, you fucking bum in the doorway, you fucking... ah! Yoko Ono's friends say the tragic memories of 1980 all came flooding back this past weekend when a lovesick fan broke into the dressing room of her luxury seventh floor apartment. To do that, Omer Travers, a native of San Diego, California, bypassed the Dakota security guards on West 72nd Street and scaled the nine-foot fence on 73rd Street at 4 a.m. Sunday morning. Travers then made his way to the roof and used a rope to hoist himself down to the seventh floor. Yoko Ono's son and bodyguard slept through the incident. Ono herself heard a noise and then fell back asleep. Inside, Travers left some notes, his address, and a picture. In his note to Yoko Ono, 29-year-old Omer Travers wrote, I love you from a distance, but I'm getting closer. Travers eventually left, and Ono did not find the notes until late Sunday. Ono's security guards, who had seen Travers hanging around the Dakota many times, tipped off police he lived in a nearby SRO hotel. Ono had no comment about the incident when she left the building today. 
Police described Travers as a house painter who was trying to break into the music business. When they booked him on burglary charges last night, he had only this to say. <laughs> Get out of the mission. They get a little weird, but <laughs> oops. Just tell them I didn't steal anything. On January 20th, filming began in Macau and Hong Kong for the handmade movie Shanghai Surprise, starring Sean Penn and Madonna. Shanghai Surprise was one day away from being elbowed. And, uh, the day before we decided it was off, well, they suddenly came back and said they wanted to do it. So I suppose on somebody's decision was, well, it's probably, you know, this could be good, you know, from a greed point of view, I think. You know, the idea, hee hee, we're gonna have a big hit with this famous pop star. The title song, which is very nice, actually, the Shanghai Surprise was a good little song, but because it was called Shanghai Surprise, I don't know what to do with it, you know, so it's just laying unloved in a box at home. I can't understand how I'm gonna stray Should be sailing away on a liner I was knocked on my back on a dock at Yangtze It's a hell of a way to see China But I'm ready You must be crazy Back in New York City at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel on January 23rd, Julian Lennon and Sean Lennon lead the induction of Elvis Presley into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'd just like to say, first of all, uh, that I'm very pleased and very proud and very, very nervous to be here tonight. And I just wanted to say that uh, our father was a big fan of Elvis's and of course, Elvis was loved all over the world, and we are all influences to him, or from him, should I say. And I think a lot of people in the world get a lot of pleasure from listening to him and love him greatly. And I just have something to say, something to read, sorry, that my father once said about Elvis. Elvis was a thing. Whatever people say, he was it. I was not competing against Elvis. Rock happened to be the media I was born into. It was the one, that's all. Those people who picked up brush, paintbrushes like Van Gogh probably wanted to be Renoir or whomever went before him. I wanted to be Elvis.
On January 24th in America, Capitol Records releases the album John Lennon Live in New York City. It was recorded at the one-to-one fundraiser at Madison Square Garden in August 1972. This is the second album issued of previously unreleased material after John's death. An accompanying VHS video was also released on this day. The LP peaked at number 41 in the U.S. album charts. Meanwhile, back in the UK on January 26th at the Savoy Hotel in London, George, along with his business manager Dennis O'Brien, receive an award on behalf of Handmade Films for their contributions to the British film industry at the annual London Evening Standard Film Awards. A few days later on January 27th, live from Los Angeles, New York, and London, it's the 14th annual American Music Awards. Paul McCartney receives the Special Award of Merit. He accepts the award from presenter Phil Collins at the London nightclub, The Hippodrome. To present the annual American Music Award of Merit. We didn't have to look very far to find the uh, presenter and a good friend of this show. He has just rushed over here from a recording session and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Lionel Richie. Recent recipients of this prestigious award of merit, Chuck Berry, Stevie Wonder, Kenny Rogers, Michael Jackson, Loretta Lynn, all outstanding American music personalities. Tonight, for the first time, this award goes out of the country to England. This story starts in Liverpool, where in the early 1960s, groups like this were playing American rock and roll. Little Richard. Paul, this seemed like the perfect time to return a compliment to one of my favorite people that I love so much, that have been so beautiful in my life and so wonderful, that I met many years ago in Liverpool. Um, the four of you, Paul, Ringo, George, and John, at this little ballroom. You remember that? I was playing, and you all wanted to watch the king and the star. They don't want me to say king, but I am the king. <laughs> just getting started and I like to thank you for enjoying my music and singing my songs but soon the Beatles were singing their own songs written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney and the world started to listen Paul we thought a good person to kind of sum things up would be one of the leaders of the new British invasion and an inspiration for the song Hey Jude John's son, Julian Lennon. Paul, um, I just wanted to say my father would be as happy as I am to see you honoured in this way tonight. Uh, I just wanted to say congratulations and here's to the future. Uh, and now to present the award in 
of Merit here in, in London, England, Phil Collins. Phil. Thank you, thank you, Lionel. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, before I get on with business, I'd like to say what a personal pleasure this is for me to be here doing this for Mr. McCartney because it's, it doesn't seem like 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, when I was actually in a hard day's night, and here I am now presenting this man with this award. I shall read it out. Because for over two decades he has been responsible for enormous changes in the sound and content of music, and because his songwriting, recordings and performances have had an unprecedented impact on the world, uniting generations in their enjoyment of music. The American Music Award of Merit is presented to Paul McCartney, January 27th, 1986. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Phil. Wonderful man, wonderful man. Uh, I'd like to thank a lot of people, uh, but I want, I'll thank just a few. First of all, I'd like to thank Lionel for dressing so wonderfully. Thank you for dressing up this evening. Fabulous, Lionel. Uh, we know you came from the studio, but this is ridiculous. Anyway, I would seriously, though, like to thank uh, some people without whom this wouldn't have been possible and I'll put it down because it's heavy. Um, I'd like to thank first of all my mum and dad who would have been very proud to have been here. Um, thank you. I'd like to thank all the people who gave me this award uh, and the friends who've turned up in London and in Los Angeles tonight. Uh, there's too many of them to go into detail, but thank you very much for showing up. Wouldn't have been the same without you. Um, I'll tell you what, I, these things are about the most nerve-wracking things, I think, that any of us do, you know, and I'm certainly no exception to this, so, but I'm going to carry on, uh, just as if nothing had happened, right, Bob? You know what I mean? I would like to thank um, some other people without whom, as I say, this would not have been possible. Uh, all the people who give me the award, but especially uh, the people who helped me get the award. Uh, I'd like to thank very specially George, Ringo, and Julian's dad, John. Thank you very much. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you all. Peace on earth. Thank you. Now I know that it can easily happen to someone like me I don't want to step on anybody's toes Who knows how to find love, think before you who knows what a mystery may bring I 
I'm a lucky man if I can find the kind of love that's gonna last for me. London around this time, the UK movie TV show Film 86 is recording an episode highlighting actor Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins is an actor who's made his name playing tough guys in films such as The Long Good Friday and The Cotton Club. More recently, he's made two films back-to-back, both with Michael Caine, Sweet Liberty, directed by Alan Alda, and Mona Lisa, directed by Neil Jordan, whose last film was Company of Wolves. Bob is featured on the set of the handmade film's movie Mona Lisa. Film 86 joined them on location at a London hotel, as did the film's famous ex beatle producer and his famous friend. Well, how do you do, Mr. Hoskins? <laughs> Ringo is credited as a special production consultant for the film. Good? What do you mean? Well, I mean, the, uh, the jig jig with a fella upstairs, was it? All right. What's wrong with you? I don't know. What's wrong with me? Neil came to me in the first place, and it, it, he had a script that he hadn't written. And I, I, I was more like the superhero, you know. George was bashing people up all over the place, and it was wrong somehow. And, and Neil knew it was wrong. He came around and said, what's wrong? And we went through it. I said what I thought was wrong, and then he came back a month later with a completely new script, and it was George. I suppose he's a sort of mixture of Norman Wisdom and Lou Grant. On January 31st, Ringo Starr is featured on the CBS radio show Top 30 in the USA. Ringo on the radio. Waiting in the yard, tackling them with easel. Show the world what I can do, gaily boast the diesel. In and out he creeps about like a big black weasel. When he pulls the wrong cars out, pop goes the diesel.
Around this time, in the beginning of February, a video is released by the artists Against Apartheid, which includes Ringo Starr on drums and his son Zach.
It was around this time that George Harrison hears of an incident involving a photographer and actor Sean Penn on the set of filming Shanghai Surprise. Better hop in, big stick. You got big trouble. Do you actually have to fly out to Macau to I went resolve out, things? I went out to Hong Kong. Uh, I was always going to go out there anyway because I needed to familiarize myself with everything because I was committed myself months and months before to doing the music. I had to be there. I wanted to see what was happening and how the film was looking and to get a feel of China. Um, China was Hong Kong, but we were outside in the new provinces as well. And uh, also because I wanted to get some Chinese sounds for the music, <coughs> which I did in the studio in Hong Kong. Uh, it just coincided really with um, that Macau incident which was reported in the press where he punched out some photographer <laughs> but the press did tend to exaggerate a lot or even if it wasn't an exaggeration they tended to um, go on and on and on about it and like rubbing salt into a wound because I think Sean himself even, you know, I mean, he sort of regrets things the next day and, you know, the last thing you need is somebody to keep harping on about it. And my main concern was just to try and make him and Madonna just try and relax and forget all that stuff and just get on with mm. the job. The phone call came in the dead of night. A mysterious Liverpudlian voice said Paul would be on the plane to Hong Kong tomorrow. We were to film the making of the new Madonna Sean Penn film, Shanghai Surprise. It was the kind of voice that makes the words handmade in Hong Kong sound like an invitation to sin. So George flies off to Hong Kong, basically to get a feel on the production, assess the situation with Sean, and to deal with the Chinese triads whose demand for money to be in exchange for filming rights in various locations. my day. However, for the 84-man crew, they won't see the end of their day until the middle of the night when they'll drive back through the dimly lit streets for a few hours rest before it all begins again. For most of us filming, there's the reality of being cold, tired and having no paraffin heater. But then at night, we can all dream of the romance of the Orient. George Harrison ridiculously expensive because you know when you ship a whole film crew out and put them in hotels in Hong Kong <laughs> and pay off the triads to let you go to work you know it's sort of you uh, had to do that mm, even now in New York we were making a film and we had to pay seven hundred thousand dollars to the Teamsters Union which we all know is run by the Mafia otherwise they wouldn't let them have any trucks that you know Davy, Davy Crockett, 
king of the wild frontier. On February 1st, at his home in St. John's Wood, London, British music publisher and singer Dick James dies of a heart attack at age 65. In the woods, so he knew every tree. He killed him a bear when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Dick, along with the Beatles' manager Brian Epstein, established Northern Songs Music Publishing Company in 1963. services are planned at the northwest London town of Williston on February 3rd. On February 8th, McCartney's single, Spies Like Us, reaches number 7 in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. Then on February 14th, the movie, Spies Like Us, has its London premiere. Decoys! 
us ready to enemy hands. My partner and I were set up. She was backing on her horse. What about it? It's a sad scrambler terminal. Sophisticated system for sending, scrambling, receiving, and unscrambling satellite messages. So she's a sophisticated woman. It's a highly classified piece of intelligence hardware. So she's a high-class intelligent piece. Come on, knock it off. Well, what do you say? That they're spies like us? They're spies, but not necessarily on our side.
over in Cologne, West Germany on February 27th, on the eve of her first solo world tour, Yoko Ono makes a musical appearance on the German television program Mich Mira. Mit ihrer Band, genau wie auf der Tournee, hören wir jetzt das Lied. Wir haben es hier genau nochmal mit ein paar Zeilen. This is hell in paradise, we are all asleep or paralyzed. Why are we scared to verbalize our multicolored dreams? Hier ist die Hölle im Paradies, wir schlafen alle oder sind paralysiert. Warum haben wir Angst, unsere vielfältigen Träume auszudrücken? Yoko performs with her band that consists of keyboardist Phil Ashley, drummer Ben Graham, bassist Lee Fox, guitarist Jimmy Ripp, saxophonist Mark Rivera and percussionist Steve Scalise. Yoko Ono und ihre Gruppe mit Hell in Paradise. Please.
Thank you, Yoko. Thank you so much. Yoko Ono. I have a little present for you. I want to show it in the camera. It's supposed to be me. Alfred. It's Alfred. Yes. Alfred the Gnome, the Gnome. <laughs> Meine Damen und Herren, wir haben einen kleinen Gartenzwerg anfertigen lassen, der mir ein bisschen ähnlich sieht. I hope it's a nice memory to your first appearance in German television. Well, I know that he's going to be sitting in my kitchen. Oh, er no, kommt in die Küche in Dakota. When I, yes, when I get back there. Thank you. Thank you. Joko, and thank you for coming. Thank you, And Alfred. luck for your tour. Ah, thank you. The I best to you. Yoko Ono. The next day, February 28th, Yoko begins her first solo world tour titled Star Peace. She is scheduled to play 10 dates in Europe starting today in Excel, Belgium at the Varie Universiteit Brussels. That is 1980, 
streets of New York. day, March 1st, Yoko's Star Piece Tour rolled on with performances at The Hague, Netherlands, before playing in Berlin, Germany on March 3rd and Munich on March 6th.
Also on March 6th in London, at Kensington Roof Gardens, George held a press conference with Madonna to try to put an end to the media storm regarding the invasion of privacy from the British press toward Madonna and Sean Penn, while filming the movie Shanghai Surprise. I definitely see, Susan, that you are an incredible screen presence. I have to say that. Mm -hmm. And I hope you continue to Thank be you. so. Thank you, guys. But can you tell me how, I've heard from people in the States that you want to further your screen career rather than your record one, you want to, that's what I hear. Well, is that true? Can I you tell us what movie two, plans you have down the line? I just spent two and a half months working on a record and yeah. um, I haven't completed it yet, I still have a lot of mixing to do on it. And then I left to finish this movie and then I'm, as soon as I finish this I'm going back to California to finish the record which will be out in June. What so is that called? Madonna? It's called Live to Tell. film and, and and about the locations and working with your husband Sean Penn okay um, the movie takes place in Shanghai in 1938 um, and my I play a missionary and um, let's see the reason I'm there is because at the time I mean you have to think about what was going on the political climate in the United States at that time there was a real big depression yeah and um, there weren't a lot of jobs for people unemployment was at an all-time high and there weren't a lot of opportunities for young women so rather than stay home and get married and raise children or stand in a bread line or work in a sweatshop I wanted to do something exciting with my life so I go to Shanghai to become a missionary and help people Succeed? Yes. <laughs> your management contract is up for sale. Did you know that? And George, would you like to buy it? I don't know. You're a troublemaker, aren't you? I'm not the only one here. It's a room full of. Next, UK television presenter Paula Yates from the BBC music program The Tube chats with George about the press issue. Surprise, which is the new film starring Madonna and Sean Penn. And as you'll have seen from the press in the last week or so, it's been absolutely appalling. So we're here to talk a little bit about that aspect of things with the executive producer of the film, George Harrison. Well, good evening, Tubes. It's been, it's been sort of um, blown up out of proportion, I would have thought, a bit over the last week. Yes, well, it's the sort of thing they do, isn't it? The press are uh, that way inclined, you know, when they get onto something, it's like a sort of fox hunt you know they smell blood and they they all go there yahoo over the hedges with their knives but um it is ridiculous it's got a bit ridiculous because first of all sean and madonna were never um 
in the contract, they never said they were going to be doing press. It's only the fact that she is a pop star, which is well, they're hounding her. But um, I mean, if you look at all the other movies and movie actors, I mean, you don't exactly have a lot of interviews with Robert Redford or Robert De Niro or any of those people. It's not a part of making a movie, doing the press. Maybe at a given time, you have a press conference or you put out publicity shots, but most actors just don't do interviews. And they're up at 5 a.m. in the morning, working till 8 o'clock at night, and they're knackered, you know, by the end of the day. They don't want to be out there saying, oh, yes, well, you know, and then I recorded this song. Do you think it would have been any better if they'd have both decided to do something right at the beginning of making the film to keep everyone happy? Do you think it's just because they've been kept I don't think hiding so. in bushes for weeks <clears> and <throat> They haven't been hiding in bushes, though. They've just been getting made up and doing the shots and then having their lunch. Um, I don't think so. You know, in this situation, I mean, I, I must say it's probably like, you know, it's Madonna mania. And when that situation arises, there's no way, no amount of press, because you give them one thing and they want more. You know, I, I, I'm sure after the press conference, there's probably going to be certain people of the press who are going to uh, still be hanging about, trying to get more pictures, because they sell them to all these magazines and stuff. They make a living out of it. How much has it actually affected the making of the film? Well, we've had a few um, mornings that we've lost, because especially after the Daily Express, you know, Sean was... It's very difficult, you know, if you get emotionally upset and then you expected to walk on a camera and be happy. So he needed a bit of time to cool down after that, but um, we had a few delays, but it is a very tight schedule. And the main thing is, the film is very nice. It looks great. So um, all this is just like secondary aggravation. The main thing that we're doing is trying to make a good film, and so far, even with the hassles, you know, it's, um, it looks very good. Back on Yoko Ono's Starpiece tour, Ono and the band play Mannheim, Germany on March 8th, then on to Stockholm, Sweden on March 10th, Copenhagen, Denmark on March 11th, then on to Hamburg, West Germany on March 12th. Sky people!
Meanwhile, on March 12th in London's High Court, the case between the Beatles and EMI over back royalties begins, with Judge Justice Peter Gibson presiding. The case should wrap up within two weeks. Coming up in a moment... Julian Lennon releases his second album. Been quite a lot of hard work, but all good stuff, you know. Ringo gets to the point. You know, I can remember when kids used to like to have stories read to them. George signs against nuclear power. Because I don't like nuclear power and nuclear waste and nuclear fallout and all the rest. And Paul sings to the prince. Mr. Collins rang up the office and said, because it was a birthday thing, they wanted to do something sort of a bit silly at the end. And that's me. Next on Yesterday and Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at YesterdayPod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time.
I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. For God's sake.